Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. Matt, how you doing tonight? I am fantastic, Lyndon. It's a beautiful day here in uh, North Texas. It is 70 degrees outside in it, December. It, it's 60 right now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, okay. Once the sun went down, it dropped to 60. Yeah, I mean, there you go. It's 60 degrees in December. Your so te- that's your Texas December weather. Yeah, weather. right. Uh, wish it was colder, but it's good enough to be back outside. Thank goodness. And uh, smoking some. I'm smoking a pipe. You're smoking a cigar, drinking some wine, talking about Zelda. I can't think of a better way to spend a Saturday evening. You know what? I don't think I can either. I'm not even going to try too hard because I, I know in advance that I'm not going to come up with anything. So Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. So And of course, we are joined to make to cap it all off by one of our favorite guests. Oh, who we joined by? We are joined by the Captain Dangerous, Miss Kylie Parker. Kylie! Yay! What's up? Woo! Oh, it's always a good day on Sacred Realms when Kylie comes back to town. Oh, you guys are so sweet. I always have a blast joining you guys. Also, I'm a little jealous you guys have like 70 degree weather because it's like 39 degrees here. That's fine. It's all right. (laughs) But you're inside and you're cozy and we're talking about Zelda. So at least part of it's still good. It's keeping you warm. You're good. That's true. That's true. That's true. Very true. Um. No, I'm stoked. You guys are all cozy over your other end. I'm cozy inside. Let's let's talk about Zelda. I'm all I'm all down. Let's go. <laughs> so before we actually started recording this, you you laid a pretty impressive stat on Matt and I, which was your total play count on A Link to the Past. Of course, the game that we're playing this season. Would you care to tell our listeners what you told us in terms of how many times you have played and beaten that game? So on record, here we go. Lay it on us. <laughs> so, oh my God, I can hear the drum roll. Uh, I have beaten <laughs> A Link to the Past 36 times. Yikes. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. She wins first place prize. I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to think of a game that I have beaten even close to 36 times at like some of my favorite games of all time don't even come close. I think the closest would probably be something that has got like shorter play to beat times like like maybe Star Fox 64. I might have beaten that many times. Right. That's fair. That's more like an arcade game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I think if I combined all of my playthroughs and completions of all three Mass Effect games it might be close to that, but that's okay, that's mean, three that's separate fair. games, though. But I mean, are yeah, you nothing close? So so having played it that many times, Kai, are you kind of switching up the way that you play it? Like, are you ever sitting down and trying to, like, clear a speed run or do you set challenges for yourself or what? Um, So kind of like, honestly, like a link to the past, especially like just the amount of times I've played through it. Um, it's honestly kind of like a comfort game for me. Um, the amount of times that I played it, uh, I do like, it's like a, like a very like low key, um, like speed run, 
where it's like, oh, okay, I want to see how fast like I can get like everything done or whatever. But for, but for the most part, it's just more of like like a memory. Like I know where everything is. I know how to like 100% it and all that stuff. So like I, it's one of those games that um, like I love just kind of like picking up and playing because I do know where everything is. And it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of enjoy the fact that I know where it's at so I can just, you know, play through it. It's, it's very like therapeutic. It's like your warm, cozy blanket um, game. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, I can, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit and play like a game that like, you know, I've played a lot and I know where everything is. And that's like kind of how linked the past is for me. Um, and that's why I've beaten it so much because uh, I have had it on so many platforms uh, just through the years. Um, my friend gave me a, a Game Boy Advance uh, years ago, and I had the Link to the Past cartridge. Good gift. So I caught, yes, exactly. He's like, I don't really use this. Do you want it? I'm like, yes. Um, so I I played it quite a bit just because it was like the only mobile, like, like I didn't have like a... a like I didn't have a 3DS till later. I didn't have any of that. So all I had was like the Game Boy Advance to be able to do that with. So Link to the Past was the only game I really like put time into and played because I had played it on the SNES so much. Um, so yeah, it is definitely like a, a comfort game. Like honestly, even over the last like a few weeks, like I was like, oh, I can I can play this like on my Switch. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like so I'll sit and like play it because I, you know, I remember all the things in it. You know, it's on like the 3DS. It's like I, I have literally transferred it from like every platform of Nintendo console or handheld I've gotten and played it because I love it so much. What's your What's your platform of choice? Um, I do prefer to play it in handheld, um, simply because like I can take it with me, and it's you know just I don't know. I feel like it translates better, like playing on like you know in your hands um but i will say i do really enjoy playing it in its original format um i do ha- still have the cartridge for the original one and uh, I don't know, it's well just, there you go yeah like i don't know it's just it just it just hits different Does, it doesn't get more <laughs> classic than that there's something exactly yeah, yeah it just hits different yeah okay cool yeah i mean i i so I've, I've been playing it on switch this time and i had played it on the 3ds eShop before i definitely um I definitely prefer playing it on the switch just because the, the greater screen size while still being portable is awesome, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, but yeah, I love that. I love that it's on there. Uh, it's so handy. So ha- loving this game so much. Um, do you take a lot of that love over into a link between worlds as well? Like do, does a lot of that nostalgia transfer into that game for you? Honestly? Uh, yes, because um, even though the game is like, I mean, obviously, like they've upped the graphics, they've, you know, changed a few things here and there. Um, it still feels like a link to the past, but it's like a polished, like revamped version. Um, but I honestly, when I played, when I played a link, like that, that same like feel, um, when I played it, it's still, I don't know, it still kind of felt like a, a link to the past, but just, like revamped. I don't know. Like I, I, I really didn't, I, I really like, wasn't like put off by uh, the new like tropes and stuff that they put into it. Um, and I think that's why I honestly enjoyed it 
uh, before we hop into housekeeping and actually dive into the section of game we played this week, I just I, I always want to give you a few minutes up front to just tell us how you're doing. How's your professional life going? Do you have any projects that you can publicly tease that uh, people might be excited to, to follow? So um, currently I'm actually building sets um, for Good Smile Company for, uh, the New York tour, uh, to- yeah, Toy Fair in, uh, February. I think it's February. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, that, that is one thing I can tease. Um, yeah, I am creating a whole bunch of new sets for them to, uh, display their Dendroids, um, at that event. Uh, I literally went to the craft store today and was, like, buying a bunch of, like, foam board that I could carve, um, to make like sets and like a bunch of like different like terrain pieces. And I actually bought like a, um, I don't, I don't know the like specific technical term for it. Um, basically it's like a, it like melts the foam so you can carve it. I don't know exactly what it's called. Okay. Um, but yeah, I bought that to, uh, be able to kind of figure out what I'm like, make it a little bit easier, I guess, to like make these sets. Um, but yeah, so that that's one big thing I can tease. Um, obviously, you know, talking about doing stuff for uh, Critical Role, you guys will see eventually. I can't tease too much, but uh, I'm very excited to um, showcase uh, a certain trailer coming out in the uh, coming weeks. Nice. So that's all. That's all I can say. <laughs> It'll be great. I'm be- it'll be very cool. excellent. <laughs> Everyone should go follow Kylie uh, because her work is incredible, and it's always fun to see what kind of new stuff you're working on. Especially just because it tends to be like so varied. Uh, like it's not all Nintendo stuff, you know. You just kind of cover a lot of ground, so it's always so fun and interesting to watch. You know. Oh, thank you. You should. Do you have a YouTube channel where you do like behind the scenes or like process of of your builds at um, all? So I don't have a YouTube channel like specific to myself, but um, I have done builds and like specific behind the scenes stuff for um, Good Smile Company. So if you actually went to like their channel, you can see it. Um, I don't like I said, I don't have it like a specific YouTube to myself. I kind of do behind the scenes stuff um, for various companies I work for. Um so if you wanted to see behind the scenes, you would have to like go to their channels, but you, gotcha. you can see it like good smile. Good smile has it. So like you can see like uh, I did a um, like a cat, like a old um, forest, like cabin build. Uh, I did like a behind the scenes for like a like a witchy Kirby set that I did. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of the only time that I do it. I will sometimes do it on like my Instagram, but for the most part, like if you want like a full YouTube, it's probably on Good Smile Company that you'll see. Well, because that's like because <laughs> that's exactly what you need, right? Is like one extra channel to like keep track of and yeah. to have to like work on. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I mean to be honest, that's exactly why like I didn't really make like my own like YouTube because I was like, I'll just do this for other companies. Oh, I completely there. Yeah, completely. I mean. <laughs> I was like, like the number of times Matt and I have looked at each other and been like, you know, we could have a lot more people listening to this podcast if we did it on 
YouTube and if we did like video and then there's like a few moments of silence and we're like, man, that just, this is already a lot of work and just trying to add that on top of our day to day lives. Plus him being a dad, plus like all the other things we're like, eh, don't really have time for that right now. And if I, exactly, that's exactly how I feel. I feel you guys. And if I didn't have time before then I'm certainly not going to have time, uh, going into 2022, because for various reasons for uh for right. for one very specific reason i'm about to get a little little busier in my professional life i thought we were waiting yeah, to make that announcement yeah. till next i was week. i was going to wait uh but you know i was just thinking about it and i was like i've given my notice at work this is a public thing so <laughs> that's fair oh it's time just just make the announcement i just do it just do it Lennon. i got a new job uh-huh. Now tell us, Lyndon, where is that new job that there you've got? Job, well, uh, the cool thing about it is that I'm going to be able to call Max Nichols my coworker because I'm going to work at Bungie. Yeet! Yes, yes. And confetti falls from the ceiling. Yay! I yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, so excited. I can't. So I cannot wait. Can't wait. I, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go join Bungie as a visual designer on the Destiny Two team. So if you're not playing, if you're if our uh, listeners are not playing Destiny Two and you would like to, uh, starting sometime next year, go play it and support Lyndon's artwork. Because he's going to be making yes, artwork. Please. Well, yes, please. And also, please do also this. this is this is our like at least once per season reminder that Destiny Two is actually in an excellent spot right now. Matt and I. Oh God, it is. Yeah, we still play very consistently. I, just just segue. I have sunk so many. Bleep this out if you have to. Damn hours. <laughs> I think I think damn is. I have to bleep damn. Okay, is damn okay? Okay, damn hours into Destiny. Because, like, listen, my friends and I would stay up till, like, four or five in the morning doing raids together. Oh, for sure. Destiny, listen, I am not a huge um, first-person shooter player. I'm not. There are very few that I play. The only ones that are, like, first-person or even, like, shooters, Halo, uh, Destiny, and... um, uh borderlands that's it it's all i play because i get really nauseous when i play shooters oh yeah and those are the only ones that have not actually made me like motion sick um so destiny i have sunk hundreds of hours into and i freaking loved i actually have the original um ghost the one where uh ooh, crap peter dinklage um yep I have the I have the Dinklebot one <laughs> before they changed it to uh, Nolan North. Yep, I have the original. The Tyrion Lannister the ghost. One. Yep, I have the original ghost. Uh, so so yeah, I uh, I've actually been like kind of dying to get back into Destiny because I I miss it and I love it so much. So yes, please please give all the love to London for that because that is so so cool thank you guys i never i never truly thought that i would transition from being just a fan of video games to uh being somebody who's actively working on helping make a video game um i mean i mean i mean same same i feel the same like doing product stuff and honestly like i have loved your work since day one so like i am so stoked you're finally getting recognized and being a part of 
like it for real because like you so deserve it you're so good at what you do this is why i love talking to you kylie because people like (laughs) uh, sometimes i even forget but like the first piece of artwork that i ever put out on the internet you and kyle were like on that train so oh the majora's mask oh my dude i still have it i still have it man that's been yeah we've come a long way since those days operation moonfall baby yeah, I freaking love it. I uh, I still have uh, all I still have all of your artwork. Um, and uh, like my names, like our name put in like the the uh, uh, what was it, Operation Moonfall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still have it's it. like printed on um, the back of the poster. Yep, I still have it. And uh, when we actually have our full game room, um, I've saved and like kept all of those posters like like mint, so I can hang them all and like like good like frames um but no no i remember i have talked about you so much just like so many of my friends i'm like oh my gosh like you guys want like dope subtle like artwork that's you know lord of the rings um uh indiana jones like whatever i'm like uh twin peaks like my friend was like wanting to buy your entire set of stuff because i kept telling him was like buy his stuff like like literally he's like please it's so good We'll tell you what, whenever we get around to Majora's Mask on this pod, which I think we've already committed to like Kylie's going to be on that at least like five Why, times. Five times? Yeah. Like pretty much every episode. Pretty much every episode. It is my bread but whenever we Whenever we get around to that one, you'll have to dig out the poster and we'll do like an Instagram oh, post. My Lord. And- like I said, I have it on tap. I have, I have a whole collection of all of your work, like literally in like protected tubes in my basement. Like safe from my cats, safe, <laughs> safe from anything else. So no one else will bother them because I was like, I want to actually frame these, like have them custom framed so I can uh, actually hang them up. But, uh, but no, I've told so many of my friends, I was like, yeah, it was like this friend that started the Operation Moonfall. I was like, uh, we've literally become, ho- become homies since then. And I was like, yeah, I was one of the first people that like signed up for this. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm on his podcast like all the time. And they're like, they're like, seriously? I was like, yeah. I was like, I have all his posters too. And I like talk about his artwork all the time. They're like, that's so cool. I was like, yeah, long-term friendship. It's boy. like, and now we're actually friends. It's not, it's not even like, oh yeah, we're friends online. We're like social media friends or whatever. No, Kylie, we, we are no, friends. No. No, we are homies. We are like, we're, we're blood for life now. (laughs) (laughs) You and Matt, you and Matt, we're like, we're connected. We're we're all there. We are. We're peas in a pod, Kylie. Peas in a pod. We're, we're good for life now. (laughs) Well, I love it. Man. God, so many good feels. So many freaking good feels. We could, we could take up an entire two hour podcast with just that, but Oh man. All right. Well, while we're all riding high on feels, let's let me get the boring housekeeping out of the way and then let's take all of those feels and transfer them directly into this section of a link to the past, which I actually uh felt very positively about. So, that'll be a nice kind of turning point for for uh for this season of the show, I think. And uh I get the feeling that you are going to have a lot of wonderful things to say as well. So, let's let's do it. I'm ready. Okie dokie housekeeping. You know, it probably would have been uh, good if I had had the dock pulled up uh, before I started like rookie mistake launching right into a bit here. All right. Rookie mistake. (laughs) 
If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda one little slice at a time. I can't believe I don't have this memorized at this point. I really should, but... <laughs> um, Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week, we play a new section of a Zelda game, then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated, and they have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to bonus episodes, write in listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and much more. I loaded uh, two bonus episodes up to that feed on Friday. It's two great bonus episodes to get into there. And then also I'm caught up on the artwork for the trading cards. Uh, let's see. I think uh, for September it was Sky it was uh, Skyloft. For October, it is Kalaktos, which I'm very proud of that one. Um, and 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 then for November, it's our first uh, Link to the Past trading card depicting the uh, Sacred Grove where the Master Sword sleeps. So cool stuff happening there if you guys want to get into it. But without further ado, let's talk about what we played. We do that every week in the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is a six-part analysis of what we played and the feelings that it made us feel. Today, we're covering A Link to the Past Chapter 4, which uh, covers... Obtaining the Master Sword, going to Hyrule Castle, fighting Aghanim for the first time, and uh, conquering the Dark Palace dungeon in the Dark World. So kind of rolling a lot into this one. Part one is the plot recap as read by Matt. Matt, take it away. With all three pendants in our possession, it is finally time to claim the legendary blade for ourselves. We return to the Lost Woods from the Tower of Hera and begin to explore the fog-covered area looking for the sword. We come across many fake swords along the way, but none of them are THE sword. After dodging a pesky thief and traversing many hidden passageways, we come to the sacred grove where lies our prize. As we make our way towards the pedestal, many furry critters flit around the grove, expressing to the world the purity of the power of this place. As we reach the pedestal and grasp the sword, the three pendants give us the power to lift it from its slumbering place and lift it high into the air. The legendary blade and its purifying powers are now ours to command. After speaking telepathically with the Elder, we head towards the castle to rescue Zelda, but immediately upon leaving the Sacred Grove, Zelda herself contacts us and tells us that soldiers have finally found the Sanctuary and are coming to take her away. We rush to the Sanctuary only to find Zelda gone and the loyal sage wounded. From there, we head to Hyrule Castle to attempt to save the princess before the evil wizard can perform his dark ritual on her and break the seal to the Golden Realm. When we reach the castle, it is, of course, infested with evil guards who attempt to block our way to the princess. Green, blue, and red knights bar the path, but we make it up to the second level, and with the power of the Master Sword, we break the magical seal that Aghanim placed over the door. Up and up we go, through what feels like dozens of levels, each infested with more guards and monsters under Aghanim's command. But the power of the Master Sword and our trusty boomerang carry us through these enemies and into the top of the castle, to Aghanim's ritual room. There, before our very eyes, Aghanim uses his dark magic to complete the ritual and seemingly disintegrate Zelda. He then flees through the curtains at the back of the room, boasting of his victory. 
We follow him through the curtain to do battle, and following the advice of the Elder, we use the Master Sword to redirect Aghanim's magic back at him, instead of attacking him directly. After a brutal battle, Aghanim is defeated, but instead of conceding this defeat, he uses his magic to force us through the veil between worlds and send us to the Dark World once more. This place, unlike the little slice that we saw before the Tower of Hera, is infested with monsters the likes of which we have not seen before. Giant Hinox that throw bombs, moblins with spears, skulls that come alive, and tentacle monsters that relentlessly pursue us. All of these monsters are far stronger than anything in our world, and we must be careful as we traverse this area. Our first stop is the Dark Palace to the east, which is a twisted version of the Eastern Palace in our world, but far more challenging. Even getting to the Dark Palace proves difficult, as we must battle through many of our new enemies and make our way through a bramble maze that is impossible to see through. During our trek through the maze, we come across a little monkey calling itself Kiki, who proclaims to love rupees more than anything in the world. After giving it ten rupees, Kiki follows us right up to the steps of the Dark Palace, which we find locked beyond our ability to open. Kiki, for the modest fee of 100 rupees, opens the door for us so that we may proceed. More new enemies await inside, and the traps and puzzles within are far more challenging than anything we have faced so far. Hidden switches, magic shooting floor tiles, helmstar monsters, terrapins, gyra, and medusas await inside to bar our path to the boss room. Along the way, we begin to run into impassable barriers that bar our way as well, and we realize that we need something nice and heavy to smash our way through these obstacles. As we progress through the dungeon, fighting these new and dangerous enemies, we come across the big key, which allows us to open up the giant chest, which contains the magic hammer. This handy item not only allows us to smash the impassable barriers that we've seen, but also flip over the indestructible terrapins and smack their vulnerable bellies. Using our handy new tool, we progress through the rest of the dungeon, grabbing tons of rupees and some handy fairies along the way. We come to the final boss room and find ourselves face to face with the King Helmasar. This gigantic monster, who looks a lot like a manticore, has a terrifying horned helmet, a scorpion-like tail, and razor-sharp claws. Within the cramped arena, it is all we can do to not get crushed as we do battle with this beast. Putting our new magic hammer and our handy bombs to use, we smash the beast's protective helmet, showing the vulnerable eye beneath. With a dozen or so well-placed arrows, we bring the beast down once and for all. As the beast falls, an odd thing lands in the middle of the room. A deep blue crystal appears from nowhere, and as we pick it up, we see a woman inside. This woman claims to be one of the seven maidens that Aghanim used to break the seal of the Golden Realm. She tells us that in order to protect the Golden Power, we must rescue all seven maidens from the various temples in the Dark World, and then rescue Zelda to restore the seal. With our path forward clear, we set off to find the rest of the maidens and restore peace to this world.
That has been the plot recap as read by Matt. Part two is our takes where we talk about this section of the game and how it made us feel. Kylie, you are the guest and I'm going to let you kind of I'm going to let you take this one away. This is kind of the the big turning point of the game. We've gotten the three things that we've got to get at the beginning of the game. We've we're past the intro section. We get the master sword and we make it to the dark world for the first time. Um, I mean, what, what do you what do you think about all this, Kylie, all the stuff that happens in here? So, uh, I will say kind of, mm, one thing that I really, really enjoyed about, uh, A Link to the Past, uh, and I, I think a lot of people enjoyed, um, I really loved the split world. So obviously you're, you know, doing all the stuff in the light world and then you kind of show up, you know, later on and you're like, oh, oh my God, there's this whole there's a dark world. There's a whole other side. Like, oh my God. It's like, if people who have played um, Twilight Princess, you guys kind of get my vibe. You know, you're like, oh man, there's like a whole, as Minna Minna says, where she's like, you know, um, two sides of the same coin. It's the same, it's the same feel. Yeah, like a whole whole Um, spooky alternate dimension. Yes. It's very spooky. Um, But something I really loved uh, with the whole like dark world um, obviously, you know, when you, you show up, you're, <laughs> you're stuck as a bunny, <laughs> which I thought was very hilarious. Um, and you have to get like, you know, the, the moon pearl and, you know, all that sort of thing. But, um, something I, I, I really, really liked was that contrast where you have, um, you know, this whole, you know, the normal Zelda flair, the same like vibes and everything. And now you have this flip side so it's like okay i'm playing zelda but it's like kind of upside down um and i i really really like that it, it kind of gives a little bit of like majora's mask vibes before majora's mask yeah and it like it, it hits you in the face pretty immediately because as soon as you land on the top of the pyramid of power uh you know the, the color palette is different the skybox behind you is this big like ominous looking sunset sort of deal um all the yes. all, like we, we've left behind the bright greens and the very familiar comforting aesthetic of uh the light world and the dark world is just completely different from that it truly feels very distinct uh and i i've always really really loved that just from an art standpoint and an atmosphere standpoint um of course uh the second that uh the cutscene ends uh and we kind of we kind of trek off of the pyramid of power. Uh, what cuts in is one of the greatest soundtracks in the history of the legend of Zelda, which is the dark world theme. Mm-hmm.
which I love. I mean, like when I go back and listen to the Symphony of the Goddesses, like I'll pull those up on YouTube sometime. Yes. And every time they do a link to the past suite, they always have such a cool version of the Dark World theme. I just I love that that song so much. I I also really love that theme. I think uh, the first thing that I thought of uh, when, you know, we got in there. Uh, to actually run around and do stuff on like, you know, our first trip was last week where we were very confined, but like now that we're really running around all over in the overworld, um, I was like, man, this really needs the, uh, the instrumental version of paint it black that Sebastian Bohm did. That oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I was so like, yes. oh, that thing is, that song is amazing. And they used it on the destiny Two beyond light trailer. And I was like, ah, this is like such a perfect opportunity to just like cut this in there. Yeah. So before we get too deep into the dark world, I want to, because the dungeon map is not going to revolve around Hyrule castle at all. So let's back up for a second and talk about getting the master sword and conquering, um, the upper floors of Hyrule castle fighting Aghanim for the, first time. Matt, I'm going to send this over to you because when we get the Master Sword, that's always a big moment in Zelda. Um, What did you, I mean, did you enjoy that? Did that do anything for you? And did you enjoy taking it to Hyrule Castle to go kick some ass? So I have a funny story about this, actually. So I loaded up my game this past week to get going on, uh, you know, post Moldorm fight to go get the Master Sword, which I had completely by accident found uh, already so that was kind of funny um but anyway i loaded up the game and apparently either i forgot to save my game or the save file didn't complete before i turned my switch off so i had to fight moldorm again which was was super annoying because you loved it so much the first time oh god Anyway, uh, I made quicker work of him this time, so it it was a minor setback at most. Um, The more annoying part was I went all the way to the Master Sword and tried to pull it out, and I couldn't. So (laughs) I had to figure out what what was wrong. He went back and did that. Um, And then trekked my way back to... and by trek my way back, I mean, I couldn't figure out how to get off the mountain. So I literally just like walked around until the boulders killed me and I restarted from Link's house because I don't know how to get off that mountain still. It was fine. Um, so I went to. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So I went to the Grove of the Master Sword and pulled it out and uh, cranked the volume all the way up so that I could hear the uh, 8-bit music that that accompanied 16-bit 16-bit music that played with it mm-hmm. uh and it was good it was really good it throws me off in such a like stark way when you walk in and all these like little animals are running across the screen for no purpose whatsoever i was like this is very mm-hmm. odd like i don't know what they're going for here oh like, they're, they're going for like uh idyllic forest grove vibe they're doing their best <laughs> you know i was like okay this is definitely weird um but sure let's go with it so i do love uh I, th- I feel like a lot of people have probably found the Master Sword before they're actually able to acquire it just because this is the kind of game right. that like lends itself to ex- to exploration. And, uh, you know, I know for sure that the first time I played Link to the Past, I discovered where the Master Sword was before I was able to get it. And I love it so much because in Zelda games, typically, once you get to where the Master Sword is, you like you've unlocked it and you just you get it immediately like Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess. Like once you, right. once you get it, you have it, you know, but this game, 
kind of teases you with it a little bit in a very similar way to how it's done in Breath of the Wild. And I love the parallels between those two. Like it's it's this it's this crazy legendary blade that's just sitting there and it's ready for you to to get it as soon as you are ready. You know, like as soon right. as you've done what's required, you yes. can come back and get it. And I just really like that a lot. It's one of the coolest things that Breath of the Wild borrowed thematically from this game. That is an interesting parallel because I totally didn't think about that at all. When I have ever played, you know, the first time I guess I played Breath of the Wild, I did not discover the Master Sword until later in the game. Um, and so I I don't necessarily think I had the same experience, but I can see how that parallel can be drawn for sure. Because um, it is possible, of course, to literally find the Master Sword within, you know, 30 minutes of leaving the Great Plateau. So... Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't. I didn't make that connection at all. But uh, fair point. Good point, Lyndon. Well, so, so what follows well is a pretty fun little combat gauntlet uh, as we kind of climb the Hyrule Castle Tower to go fight Aghanim. Um mm-hmm. and, and I'm curious how you didn't hear Matt because you said the combat tends to be a pain point for you in this game. I think combat is just yeah. generally hard in top-down Zeldas, just because there's less skill involved in my opinion it's a lot of like try to use your ranged attacks and try to like stay away from people there's not like blocking so yeah i mean it's a little bit of like hack and slash right it's like you're just trying to move it through yeah exactly so i i did not find the combat leading up to agonim entirely difficult just because the master swords little beam thing that it shoots when you're at full health is the most op thing of all time like i would literally just sit in the corner of room and be like zoom 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 until everyone was dead and uh there was there were a couple rooms i know there were a couple rooms where that was not feasible leading up to agonim where specifically there's one room where there's two blue archers and then there's two red spear dudes and you you enter the room and you're surrounded by four statues and you have to push the statue out, but the archers can still shoot you through the statues. That room always got me down a couple of hearts leading up into Aghanim. So I had to strategize about how do I either have some red potion or a fairy and then um, right. and so that I could go to Aghanim with full health. Um, so I did I did finally figure out a good strategy there, made it through. So I, I would say it wasn't terribly, it wasn't as difficult simply because I now have the OP Master Sword Beam Slash. Yeah. Also, I will say that making liberal use of the boomerang is key to making it through fights with uh, the various types oh, of knights. Yeah, yeah, so. So I I personally found, um, and I remember the very first time I ever fought Aghanim, and it made me wonder if back in the day, a lot of people got tripped up on how exactly to do damage to him. Because obviously the trick is you've, you've right. got to deflect the beam with your sword, which... Much like Ganon. Much, like it's, a, yeah. it's like the Ocarina of Time Ganon. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Like we've done this so many ways in so many Zelda games, but this is kind of right. this is kind of the big first time you ever have to do it. And I wonder if it tripped people up a lot, that, like learning how to play tennis with him the very first time. Um, I was... Tennis, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually kind of spoiled on it just a bit because I had played Link's Awakening so many times. Yes, yes, And yes. like obviously Shadow Aghanim is one of the nightmares that you have to fight in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and, and this works the exact same way. So t- for me, it was exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so like a lot of people have noticed, like obviously in like Zelda lore and Zelda, whatever, it's like, honestly, every person that kind of goes into a Zelda game, they're like, OK, is this going to be like 
this will be like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask is going to be like, you know, are, 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 is it the same kind of feel? Because obviously, like uh, in Ocarina of Time, when uh, you're fighting Phantom Ganon, you know, you have that same, like you're saying tennis, like the, the tennis ping pong, the same back and forth. Um, it's that same feel. So like a lot of people, when they go into a Zelda game, especially who have played Zelda games, you know, the past 20 years or whatever, they're like, okay, is this a similar? Yeah. You can kind of figure out the mechanics a little bit easier. And, and like when this is the first, you know, iteration of that, it would be interesting to see people fighting Aghanim for the first time who didn't, who didn't have any previous experience with that. Especially people who have never played Zelda, they're like, "Oh, right. what the what is?" So, this? did, like, did you what, pick it up pretty quick, Matt? Yeah, I mean, the so I actually once I figured out that the little triangle stones that let you get hints, I've actually been at reading those yes. more frequently. So, mm-hmm. when I read the one in Hyrule Castle that was like, "You have to figure out how to use his magic against him" or whatever, um, my first immediate thought was, "Oh, we're we're about to play some magic ping pong." Um, so, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so, very <laughs> like, I figured out how to damage him pretty quickly what I had a very hard time with actually was figuring out the pattern of his attacks that you couldn't block or redirect at him. Right. So he does his, he does the red ball that you can deflect, but then he does the blue circle thing that you can hit, but then it splits off into little blue balls. And then he also does the massive lightning, you know, Sith Lord lightning attack that you can do absolutely nothing <laughs> against and like takes three of your hearts away. He does the Darth Sidious attack. Yes. Where he's like hood over. He's like, oh, yeah, yes. exactly. So I had a very hard time with him. I, I died three or four times before I figured out the pattern of when I was supposed to stand and redirect versus when do I run around versus when do I just GTFO right. and uh, not get hit, <laughs> not get hit by lightning. But once I figured out the pattern, it's normally like two red balls, two blue balls lightning two red balls two blue balls lightning like is, is, is exactly. pretty much it's what it is so once i got the pattern it, down i was able to kind of run around and, and do it a little more easily so i did uh I, I didn't find it again once the pattern was down i did not find the boss hard in any way uh did find it enjoyable exactly. cool so talking about tropes that start in Link to the Past and carry throughout other Zelda games, uh, you know, lots of Zelda games have got the alternate world that you go to mm-hmm. at different points of the game. And we, uh, Kai, Kai, you already mentioned that the Dark World is kind of like the first version of that. And so yes. Aghanim has like a little bit too much of us, sends us to the Dark World. And we've already talked about kind of the art style and what the Dark World feels like, but there's an immediate uptick in just like enemy and combat difficulty as soon as you get there too. Yes. Like all, all of those dudes hit so hard. Yeah. They take like three hearts. Oh they God, take they three hearts per hit. And I did not realize that until I died once in the dark world. I was like, I literally got hit right? twice. And I was like, I'm dead already. What just <laughs> me happened too, to me? me <laughs> so obviously you're like, Oh my, Oh man, these damn, these bros don't mess around. They do not, they do not mess around. <laughs> and it's like, it's a very immediate uptick in difficulty, um, which I, which I think is great. I love a little bit of extra challenge. Now that we have the master sword, we're doing a little bit, more damage and like you've just gotten used to being able to one hit ko regular dudes in the light world and then you're like oh cool i can do anything and then you go to the dark world and those dudes can just and you're like oh i'm screwed yeah. oh I'm screwed. those dudes can just like tank hits forever but <laughs> right. yeah. they literally like look at you and you die the big, so the, like, big oh, cy- no. the big cyclops guys that throw bombs so you have to shoot them like literally 10 times those are hit 
Ah, the Hinox. Yes, yeah. you have to shoot him like ten times with an arrow. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, lots of lots of very difficult enemies uh, running around in this section of the game. Of course, we don't do too much exploration in the dark world before we find our way to the dungeon of the week, which is the Dark Palace. Let's go ahead and get into part three of the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is the dungeon map where we analyze this week's dungeon from mechanics to music and more. The Dark Palace. Um, I'm just going to lead off here. I think that one, it's really neat that in many ways it is kind of a dark mirror of the Eastern Palace, the first dungeon that you go to. The layout is not identical, but it is very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and then also we do have a new dungeon theme here, a new dungeon musical theme for the Dark World Dungeons. And that's a that's a neat little interesting thing, too. But I think um, for me, this dungeon represented a turning point in this game. The first three dungeons that you go to, I didn't find any of them to be particularly difficult or challenging. And with, th- right. with this one, um, like I was kind of playing through it. And when, once I finished, uh, the feeling that I had was one of like, OK, here we are. This is a dungeon in the way that we kind of like are used to in Zelda games because it involves a lot of backtracking. Um, you do have to keep track of where you're at in the dungeon. Um it uses verticality in terms of like dropping from one floor to another and kind of keeping track of where you're going to end up at when you drop down. So yeah, I think there was a lot more to kind of try and dig into here intellectually. It is, it is more difficult. Um, right. Did you, did you find that to be true, Matt? Yeah. So I actually have a lot of thoughts about um, this, this temple. It was, I mean, so far, I've not particularly enjoyed any of the three dungeons. They've the three previous dungeons. They've all just been kind of okay. This dungeon was very enjoyable. Um, there was a lot of things that I was walking around trying to figure out that uh, were a little bit of a mind bender for me. And um, like I, the combat or the enemies were not so. Um, so many that they made it impossible to do that, but there was enough of them that I didn't just feel like I was walking around in an empty place trying to, you know, solve puzzles. It was a very good mix of enemies and puzzles and, um, you know, trying to find all the keys that are hidden in different spots there. It was, um, it was a very good dungeon. The mechanics, uh, of using the teleporters to get to different rooms of, um, unlocking doors in the right sequence using keys and, uh, the uh the jumping uh, or the using the blocks the red and the and the orange blocks and and getting those correct uh to progress through places all of it kind of tied together to be a very fun dungeon for me um i had i spent more time in this dungeon than i think i did the other three combined um trying to figure it out because like i've said before i'm trying my best not to use any guides um while i go through it because that those weren't super readily available back you know in the day and it's a more it's a more pure experience so i i i enjoyed my time wandering around the, i think my biggest pain point so far with link to the past in general is the fake bombable walls and trying to figure out which ones are fake and which ones are not. And um, because there is a section where you have to bomb a couple of walls to get to a key that's on an otherwise unreachable ledge. And like I was walking around bombing any wall that looked like it had cracks in it and like 90 percent of them don't break. And so I think that that is just a point of frustration for me of it needs it should be a little more clear of what 
like what is bombable and what is not and like stop giving me the fake bombable walls because then i don't because there was one key specifically the the one that you have to bomb the wall and go like i spent probably 20 minutes wandering around trying to figure out where is this key that i'm missing that i need and it's it was so frustrating because i've gotten used to bombing walls in this game and they don't do anything so i that wasn't the first place my mind went to and eventually i was just frustrated and was like fine i'm just gonna go bomb all these walls and eventually found it and also found a fairy fountain which by the way i don't know if you knew there's fairy fountain in there but you bomb a wall on the opposite side of the room found the fairy fountain so that was good um but yeah, it was really fun. Um, the the item in this game, the mallet, basically the Megaton hammer, more yeah, or less, the magic hammer. Yeah, was right. was fun. Uh, those the yes, the uh, the indestructible <laughs> red turtles were a little annoying until I got the hammer and could kill them. But um, yeah, I think, like I said, this has been the most enjoyable dungeon so far. It was it was fun. Kylie, where are you at with the Dark Palace? Oh, I am a little bit angry, though, oh. about Kiki the monkey fleecing me for 110 <laughs> rupees just Matt's to get in like, there. Matt's like, screw all this. I have to say yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like, Kiki the monkey, you are a fiend. <laughs> He's a fiend. Yes, yes. Uh. Um, so when it comes to this palace, so honestly, kind of piggy, piggybacking off of what um, Matt is saying. So... I do absolutely know what he means about having um, like the, the bombable walls and like the, like what, what is secret? What is not? Um, and honestly, I I can kind of like tick back to, uh, to Metroid. So Metroid, uh, very similar, um, you know, like a bomb wall. Like if, if you can't figure out where you're supposed to go, like bomb the walls by you. Right. So, so honestly back then, um, link to the past kind of had the same, uh, vibe. So I have a, I have a, I have a bit of a, I have a bit of a question for you, Kylie. What in your opinion makes a good Zelda dungeon? Like if you've got, if like what what separates good fun dungeons from a bad one okay so for me like i don't know like i completely understand where you know people especially if they have not haven't played zelda haven't played games like this i get it where you know they're down there and they're like you know what do i do is there like a you know do i bomb something what do i so something that I've really loved about Zelda is the curiosity. It's the, okay, what, what, what if I actually put, you know, okay, maybe this wall looks a little suspicious, a little sus. All right. I'm going to put a bomb here. Let's see what this does. That is Zelda to me. That is what sets apart other games is the fact that like, you're looking at this wall and you're like, Hmm, the coloring is a little different. Mm, I wonder if I bomb it. Like, let, let, let's just see what it does. And that's what I love about Zelda Dungeons is that right there is because you're like, you have the inkling that you're like, mm, there may be nothing, but the fact that you're still taking the steps to just like, I'm, I'm going to see what this does because you know, you know how Zelda games are. And you want to like test it out. That to me is what makes a good Zelda. Dungeon. So it's like you're testing stuff out. And it's the same thing with Metroid. Like you're, you're wanting to like, mm, let's see what this does. So would you say that the difference between a good and a bad 
Zelda dungeon is like in the good ones, you are having to explore in that way. And in the ones that are not as fun, they're just like, they're more linear and there's less. So exactly. So like the, the two opposites, like, listen, I, I completely, completely understand where like, especially with newcomers where like, they're trying to make stuff more, you know, easy, more whatever. I get that. Totally get that. Then I think the line between like, between a good dungeon design and a bad one is just like how how well does the dungeon kind of train you to be looking for those sorts of puzzles that you're talking about you know and that going back to matt's uh, point about and we talked about this in the last episode too about how it can be annoying to like waste all of your bombs on walls that because this game has a lot of cracked walls that they they look the same as bombable walls but they're just not bombable so it's like it's kind of trying to trick you and you just end up wasting a bunch of bombs trying to figure out which ones are the real bombable walls and which ones are not. And so, yeah, that can be a little frustrating. In this dungeon, at least, there are actual walls you can bomb um, in the Desert Palace. It was full of ones that looked like they should be bombed, but none of them actually were bombable. And yeah. So, and it, even even the Dark World, even the Dark World Overworld has some of those. Like I was walking around on the Temple Summit and there if you walk down onto like the second level, there's a huge wall there um, that there's a big crack in it. And I bombed it like three times and nothing happened. And I was like, fine, screw this. Do you uh, do you think the hammer do you think the hammer is fun, Kai? I mean, do you like smashing bros? Oh, yes, for sure. God. So let's talk about the boss of this dungeon for a bit, which is the Helmosaur King. Um, and I just, and actually Kylie, do me a favor, Google Helmosaur King real quick and just get, get the image of this okay. dude fresh in your mind. Okay. I'm Let me know it. when you're there. I love how Google was like, yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> Google knew. Oh yes. Oh yes. I remember him. I love, Oh, I just love this dude because from an art standpoint, he's got like such a gnarly boss look to him. He looks like a boss, man. He looks, he looks like he a does. boss. He does. He looks like a boss. Um, I, I like this fight quite a lot. We're talking about the hammer, which is the item we get in this dungeon. And one thing that I do like is that earlier in this game, items that we got in the dungeon weren't necessarily needed to progress through it or to beat the boss the bow is required to beat the armos in the first dungeon but in this one uh you absolutely 100 need the hammer to beat the helmosaur king actually you don't you have to take his plate off yeah you you can use bombs oh you use bombs to do that you can you can yeah i used i used bombs for the first couple of times and then started smacking it with the hammer I thought you had to have the hammer. Oh my god, I'm shook right now. Shook it. I didn't. I actually didn't know that either, Kai. Like <laughs> I, I always. I didn't know. I am. I am. Matt. Matt is laying truth Yeet. on us. I am shook. But I'm looking at. I, I mean, you're right. I'm looking at Zelda Dungeon right now. It says Link can also use bombs, but he will most likely have to move away. I, about, I always yeah. thought it was the hammer. Oh my god, my whole. Okay, my whole my whole life is shattered. But right I, now. Th- <laughs> I think the hammer is by far like. I mean, it's more effective. Yeah. I, yeah, it is. But I had no idea because like i always had the hammer when i fought him so now i'm like listen me who has beaten link to the past 36 times and i'm like i have always done the hammer i did not know you could do bombs what does that say about me i'm like okay do i truly know this game all right, all right fine. it's fine it's all half good. of being a fan of zelda doing- is like learning new ways to do things that you've done oh, a thousand oh, times yeah. so. especially especially when like um people are like uh 
speedrunners were like, oh yeah, you can do this and this and this. And I'm like, I never, okay, I feel stupid. I didn't know I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, did you like the Helmosaur King? Yes, this was actually a super fun fight. I, I, This was the first boss fight we've had that I didn't die at, except for the Armos. Um, so that was a lot of fun for me to finally beat a boss without dying for the first time. Um, it was really fun, yeah. I liked, um, I tossed a couple bombs when he was at the back of the room, and then he started getting up close, and so I started smacking him with the hammer. And then you get the big, you know, shoot the eyeball mechanic, which everyone knows very yeah. well. Um, Gotta I, shoot the eye. Yeah, I didn't feel like he was very hard. Um which honestly I'm okay with because the rest of the combat in this game is hard enough to supplement. So um, it was it was refreshing to be able to uh, successfully complete a boss without dying. And his little uh, scorpion tail thing was super cool. Um, the design I really really like the the helmet at the at the beginning of the fight looks menacing and uh, terrifying. He looks cool. like a, a manticore from the Witcher series, and I very much like oh, that. Yes. Oh, yeah. you said Witcher. And I'm like, yes. Mm, yes. So I yeah, I'm just a huge fan overall. I thought it was, was a I, lot of fun. I like this boss as well. I'm really excited for us to play a Link Between Worlds, Matt, because there's a version of this boss that comes back in another dungeon in that game. Yeah. Yep. 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 And he works a little bit differently but i don't know it's cool i'm not yeah i don't know i i'm not gonna say too much more about that right now but it's like you'll see matt you'll i'm see. excited <laughs> you'll get there it's great i i know what Lyndon's talking about and you'll you'll enjoy it you very much yeah will. definitely um but anyway so i guess just to put a cap in the whole in the whole dungeon map part of this uh i think that honestly this is kind of where this is the point in the game where we turn a corner and the dungeons just become harder and more challenging and thus more fun so yeah i mean i i, I dig it um hey kai if i had to ask you what what's your favorite dungeon in a link to the past which one like just top of mind which one would it be Ooh, oh that's tough um to be honest like <sighs> i all of the like dark world dungeons are kind of my favorite, but I really enjoy. Um, and again, it's it's been it's been a little bit. It's been a while. Um, I really really enjoy the uh, like water. I can't remember if it's like water and ice. The ice palace. Um, ice palace. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I very much enjoy that. Like I said, it's. I have played this a ton, but it's. It's been a while since I played through it, um, like recently, but I really love the Water and Ice Palace. Like, I, I thought it was really neat, and I loved, like, kind of how it, um, like, you had to do, like, if I'm remembering correctly, you, uh, you had to, like, change stuff in the light world and then change it in the dark to, like, make so you could go into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really love that. Uh, honestly, all of the dark world stuff, I really, 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 really loved. Um, uh, I, I, again, like <laughs> with Link to the Past, like I'm very biased. Like I, loved, I loved every temple. I loved every bit of that game. So it's really hard for me to pick a favorite because I truly loved it I all. Like it was... Ice Palace is the temple that uh, Max chose for his like second half of the season appearance. So, mm -hmm. if yes, Max if yes. Max Nichols wants to talk about it, then you know it must be a good one. So, <laughs> again, like I I I really really loved it. I loved how uh, smart and um, like I don't know it was, it was a little tricky. Like I just I don't know it was just very I'm just. 
resonated well, with well, me. I really, really We'll catch liked up it. with you on it after we've beaten that one. Um, for now. Yeah, you guys, I mean, honestly, you guys will see what I mean. You guys will be like, oh, okay, I get why she. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, all right, I can't right. wait Two for Matt. Two together, we got I can't it. wait for Matt to get there. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, yeah, you guys will have a blast. Trust me. So let's go ahead and move on. Uh, part four is usually where we talk about side quests, but I think, you know, honestly, did you do anything even remotely resembling a side quest in here, Matt? I, not that I can tell. I did wander around a lot in the Dark Realm just to just kind of explore. Um, I didn't find anything of consequence, which was a little bit disappointing. I actually wandered across the Ice Palace, but I was like, this looks like a dungeon for later in the game. So uh, didn't go there. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I did any side quests. Uh, got a lot of rupees and gave 110 of them to Kiki. <laughs> well, that leads us directly into part five, which is Z-targeting, where we lock on to fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. Matt, uh, I'm going to give this to you first. As Kiki, obviously. This, is the little, this little bitch just decided to take my rupees just to open up the thing for me. Like, what What do you do if you go into the Dark Realm and you don't have 110 rupees you to You have to go him? farm for rupees. Oh, that's so annoying. And, like... There's no way that you would know how to do to know to do that. Right. Like, I just know enough about Zelda that like when this monkey was like, give me 10 rupees and I'll follow you around. I was like, okay, probably need to do this. So lucky for me, I was just, you know, again, know enough about Zelda that I didn't have to think twice about it and also happened to have like 600 rupees on hand. So Um, but if like if you don't do that, if you don't have Kiki follow you around, how are you supposed to know that that's what you're supposed to do? This goes back to the obtuseness of the older Zelda games, right? Where they're like, there is zero handholding whatsoever. And not necessarily a bad thing, but definitely something right. that I could see being a point of frustration for myself or other people who are not used to that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so yours is Kiki the Monkey. Kai, do you have like a character, and even even just from the whole front half of the game, that you really like and identify with a lot? So I cannot remember her name, but I like really love the witch that is like in the little mushroom. I don't hut. remember her name either, but I don't remember. I want to say it's Mabel, um, but I'm thinking of uh, she's also in. Um, oh, crap. Was, was it, it the or- uh, Oracles? Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. Yes, Mabel. Um, I really resonate with her because I'm a witch myself. So I just, I just, I very much, I'm like, oh, she's my girl. Like she's, I don't know. I really, really like her. So <laughs> I'm on ZeldaUniverse.net and it just, uh, all, all it says is that she's the witch. I don't know if this witch. She's, actually, yes, that's all it says. I'm like, she's so much more than that, but I get it. They're just like, this is all we got. It's she fine. gets a name later. It's okay, but all right. Yeah. It's so fine. the witch, Kylie. Kylie is a fan of her her witchy compatriot. I'm a, I'm a friend of a fan of my witchy my witchy homie. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna go for this section of the game specifically. I'm gonna go with Agonim. Just because a, a few different things. One, I think that the mystery of what Aghanim is trying to do is pretty cool. And then also the power that he shows in like warping the maidens to the dark world and then just like warping you to the dark world once you've annoyed him a sufficient right. amount, you know, Um I think he's a cool villain, and I I kind of enjoy watching his whole story and what he's trying to do kind of unfold. So, and also he's just a really cool looking character. He's got that kind of like desert sorcerer vibe going on. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of like a bad guy from Aladdin. His sprite is really, really cool for sure. I think that, um, I think that his character design just in general is really awesome. He's huge though. Like he's a huge dude. Yeah. He's like, like how did he, he get is, so, he how did he get to be big such a big, yeah. how do you get to be such a big boy? No one else in this game is that big other than monsters. Like good for him. Yeah. It's big boy. It's evil magic. It's evil magic. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Dark magic. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's my pick. Agonim. Um, enjoy, enjoy fighting him and kind of seeing him kind of trolling around in, in this world. So yeah. And, uh, according to the rules of sacred realms pod, I can now not use Agonim again for Z targeting for the rest of the season. Cause so, he is a main character. Yep, yes. So there you go. Agonim. This is, uh, going to, going to get it out of the way here and use it. All right. Let's get into part six, which is our final thoughts. Matt, you want to wrap up this section of the game as succinctly as possible uh indeed i do so this section of the game is a pivotal point for us as we progress through to uh grab some of the most iconic uh things that link uh, has in his arsenal we obtain the master sword we have obtained all three pendants of power and we rush off to the uh, castle to rescue zelda only to be uh you know thrown into the dark world by agonim uh which was really a, a great boss fight um it transports us to uh, the dark world which is an overall interesting mirror universe of the hyrule overworld and uh follows through uh you know a lot of difficulty with enemies into a uh, really the best dungeon of the game so far uh as a really good combination of uh difficult enemies as well as fun puzzles to solve wrapping up in a fun boss fight where we get to to whack a giant monster with a hammer and then shoot him in the eyeball. So overall, good section of the game. Good wrap up, Matt. Well done. Thank you, guys. This has been the Sacred Realms recap. We will, of course, be, uh, excuse me, this has been the Sacred Realms rundown. (laughs) Don't get that one wrong a lot. We will be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms rundown covering another section of this game. Oh, my goodness. I mean, so... Matt, here's kind of what I want to know. Like, Kylie and I both know very much how we feel about A Link to the Past. And you, like for you, Jury is definitely still out. Yeah. Did you find this to be kind of a turning point for you in terms of, like, just how much you're enjoying it? Absolutely. I think that, like, so far, the first, you know, grab the three things section of the game was really not – I did not honestly find it very appealing. Um, but once we've moved into this this section of the game, I definitely uh, am getting a lot more enjoyment out of it, even just like wandering around uh, fighting enemies or looking for things like I know that there are so many things that I could have that I don't. And so I, it, now that we're here, it feels like I, I feel like I have a reason to go try to find those things. Yeah. And so I, I definitely have hit kind of a point in the game where I'm like, okay, I want to sit down and play more than just the section and just kind of see what I can find. Maybe I'll find some cool stuff. So yeah. Cool. Uh, Kai, I've got one question for you before we get out of here. Just a little prompt for you to <laughs> to, yeah, to get into. Go for it. If there is any one Zelda game that you could go back and replay for the first time, like with no memory of it, which one would it be? Ooh. Ooh, it got to hit me in the gut. Ooh. Um... F- Oh, okay, okay. Give me, give me, give me a sec. Uh, ooh, honestly, it's a tie between Link to the Past and Wind Waker. Mm. Okay. All right. Truly. And I say that because, preface, um, 
Link to the Past was the first Zelda game that I ever actually beat myself. Uh, Wind Waker was the Zelda game that me and my brother, little brother, bonded over like hardcore to the point where I actually, for his 10th birthday, I threw him a Wind Waker birthday party. I remember you've told us about that before. It always sounds yes. so fun. So that's exactly why it's like very, very special to me. Um, complete with a, uh, you know, like I, I put up all the posters of Wind Waker. We made a Wind Waker cake. I um, had a treasure hunt. Like a, like a scavenger hunt. I dressed up as Tetra uh, for my brother. My brother actually like teared up when he saw me dressed as Tetra because he was so excited that I like I did that for him. Um, I, it was like a it was like a duo birthday because um, like him and another one of my best friends uh, both had like a birthday around the same time. So like I kind of combined it. Um, so yeah, I had a treasure hunt. I did the whole like squid squid thing where it's like you threw like water balloons at it to get the like the squish like he, like he does in the game. Um, they had a treasure hunt to like find their games, and he got a DS uh, XL, and like it was just a whole thing. It was it was really 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 freaking special, and I think that's why it why it means that's so as good a reason as I can think. Yeah, it was, it was, he still remembers it. He's almost 20 years old. He still remembers it. And I'm like, okay, I did my job. He remembers <laughs> it. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Matt, Matt, what's your answer to that one? If I could go through and replay a Zelda game for the first time, having no memory of it. Hmm. Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah that was Mask. my other, that was my other choice. Yeah, I think that. For me, the emotional depth that is so easily found in Majora's Mask is is totally worth it. And I and I remember vividly along the same lines of what Kylie was saying of having the, you know, emotional connection via real family. That was a game that you and I spent a lot of time playing together. It yeah. was like yes. going through and the mask quests. So hard. Yeah, yeah. it's like going through the masks que- mask quests and you helping me figure out and t- or telling me straight up like where to go and what to do. Um again before this was before the age of Google. So uh, you know um, Majora's Mask is just a very special game for yeah. me. Yeah, and I, I really love that. Like, honestly, anytime um, I, I've just asked personally, like, from people, like, you know, what, what Zelda game really, like, resonated with you? Every time I've asked every single person, they've always, like, connected it to some, like, personal or some, like, childhood thing. And, and honestly, like, that is so special. That is so sweet. And, like, I freaking love that. Like, I love when I ask people, like, oh, like what Zelda game, like, really... And honestly, not even Zelda, just, like, games in general. Like, what, what game really, like, spoke to you? What game, like, solidified, like, yourself? Like, what was it? And there's always like a throwback to, you know, something they did with their siblings or something they did with a best friend. And I I don't know, like, I I just feel like that that's really, really special. Like, it's so sweet. I love it. I love it. It, I I, I think that solidifies gaming in general with, uh, you know, outside of Nintendo, outside of, you know, whatever franchise, like, it's just it's just really, really sweet. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, one of the greatest things about games is their ability to connect people. Um, I'm trying to think about my answer to this question in like 
I'm tempted to say Ocarina of Time just because it was such a big game for me in my young life and meant so much to me. But like, honestly, my my answer is Breath of the Wild. Um, I, 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 and that's awesome. Yeah. I like, I wish that I could erase my memory of Breath of the Wild and like go play it new again for the first time just oh because I, oh my God, I feel that. I feel that in my soul. So, so like we actually got that game. Um, we got it early. And you know what? I'm going to be raw on the podcast. Who cares? Um, at the time that we got Breath of the Wild, myself uh i was laid off from my job i i didn't have anything i had no idea where i was gonna go it was rough um my husband the same thing he had been laid off from his job he also had no idea what was gonna go on he was like i'm just gonna do my best like all right we had gotten breath of the wild early thanks to nintendo bless you guys truly um we shut off for that entire week. We didn't, I didn't open my curtains. I didn't, I literally was in pajamas for like a week and a half. And we just played Breath of the Wild together. And you know what? Like, I've never been, been closer to my mate than that. It was just him and I playing Zelda together. And it was an incredibly scary time. Because we're like, we don't know what we're going to do for jobs. But we took that time to just chill, just enjoy playing this new Zelda chapter together. And as scary as it was, that was the most like defining time in my life was that. I mean, that's awesome. Like, I, again, talking about the awesome experiences you share with important people over video games. I mean, I feel like that absolutely qualifies, especially as somebody who's like been through career uncertainty in the past. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. like, I absolutely understand that insecurity. It's but scary. Just like, yeah. It's super scary. Yeah. yeah. But like just having that nice memory of a of a what is going to become one of the classic games of all time with your husband going through that. I mean, yeah, I don't have nearly as good of a reason for me wanting to, to making that my game but just like i was so excited for the switch to come out i was excited for the switch to come out in a way that i hadn't been for a nintendo console in a very long time um i got it same yeah i got it day one i was all in on the hype and just launching into breath of the wild and discovering so many of the cool secrets that are in that game and learning how to play zelda in a new way was just so uh that's a oh. it, yeah that's that's exactly like how kyle and i were like we we were like, you know, I mean, not to like super segue, but like, and, and take time. But, you know, I, I was, that was my first, um, that was my first E3 and seeing the Breath of the Wild set and, and getting to experience that, like, I, I will fully admit that I cried. I straight up cried because I had worked so hard to get where I was at and being able to walk out and see that and get like a full on, like one-on-one -on -one experience. Um, and I think that's why Breath of the Wild hit me so hard. And that's why like when they, you know, had given, given it to us, you know, early um, that, you know, me and my husband, we just completely shut off 
everything, despite the fact that we we had no idea what we we're going to do for jobs. We had no idea what was going to happen. We just shut off, ordered Chinese food, and we played Breath of the Wild. It was it was literally like he still talks about it to this day. Like we're doing great now, but we still talk about that day. We still talk about how, you know, how scary it was. But we were like, you know what? We're going to we're going to take this moment now and we're going to just roll with it. I mean, that sounds like about as good a way to spend a week and a half as any that I can think of. Chinese, yeah. Chinese food and Breath of the Wild. Yes, please. <laughs> Chinese food and Breath of the Wild. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like you, you have to take – and honestly, every person, every person listening, like if you guys are in a hard spot, I know it's freaking scary. And especially if you guys are, you know, dealing with, you know, losing a job or – taking on a new job and you're not sure if like, Oh my gosh, is it going to, you know, Oh my, is it going to pay for everything? Like whatever. Take that time, take that breath to just enjoy what you have at that moment. As scary as it is, do it because you know what? I did that and look where I am now. I'm doing great. I have amazing clients. I am doing well on my own, um, my own business and all this stuff. And I know it's absolutely terrifying, but please take that breath. That so, is was not trying to sidetrack from that. Just no, that's being very honest. For, excellent advice. Okay, cool. Like truly, that is yeah, excellent advice, honest, and like such an important thing to say. On, oh, good. Being honest with people who are struggling art, you know, art wise, whatever, just, <sighs> you guys are okay. Kai, take that time. Thanks for getting real with us. Oh, well, honestly, like I didn't, I didn't plan on getting super <laughs> real, but <laughs> I just, I care so much for my friends who are in either, either like a creative debacle or, you know, dealing with whatever. I just, I've been there so much and I know how much, like how scary it is. I know how terrifying it is. Well, guys, if you, if you are, if you find yourself in such a difficult spot, just know that Sacred Realms Pod and Kylie Parker believe in you. Yes. You've got this. I am always open to talk. I care so much about people. I care so much about what they're going through because I've been there myself. Well, there you go. I can't think of a better way <laughs> to possibly end all of this than that. But yeah, no, I mean, seriously, Kylie, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on that and like course, and, tell, and telling like an excellent story that just kind of segues with our love of this game series that we always, always that, that we obviously have so much emotional investment in because we we have a podcast about it. But like, you know, yeah, just exactly. lots of lots exactly. of great memories and great times associated with it. Man, this has been a good episode, Matt. Are you exactly? All I had a blast. Uh, uh, as always, as we always do, man. Matt, what do you think? Good one. I think this is a fantastic one. It's always a good time. <laughs> there you go. We have a consensus. Matt, Everyone you thinks it was say great. That or I'm like, come over there and slap. Yeah, you. I know exactly. So yeah, what if Matt had said no? <laughs> like, this was terrible. <laughs> you don't want. Well, you don't want to get slapped by Kylie. To North Texas. You gotta smack Matt. <laughs> Nobody wants that for you, Matt. No, not me least of all. Kylie, thank you so much for coming on for this one again. We always love having you. And we can't wait to talk to you more in the future. But, um, you know, until we get a chance to do that again, 
just know that like we appreciate your friendship and your perspective on this show and uh, wish nothing but the best for you in the future. Same to you guys. Truly. I am always honored to be on here. Like I could, I could talk for hours about Zelda creative stuff. I mean, you know, you know how it is. I know how it (laughs) is. Matt, you ready to wrap this thing up? I am ready, Lyndon. Let's uh, put a bow on it. All righty. If you enjoyed. All right. Wrap it up. Let's do it. If you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash Sacred Realms pod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show and that makes us very happy. Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on the next chapter of A Link to the Past. That would be chapter five. Uh, We'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. A Link to the Past can be played in a variety of places on the Game Boy Advance, on the Super Nintendo, uh, through a variety of Nintendo eShops, on the Super Nintendo Mini, and of course on the online subscription on the Nintendo Switch, which is the version that Matt and I are playing. In the meantime, may your hearts be full, may your arrows never miss. We will catch y'all next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences.